This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. My goodness, we have a lot to get to today. Marcus Fuller will join me here in just a little while. Covers Gophers basketball for the Star Tribune. A lot of interesting stuff with Marcus, including a look at all of the players who left the Gophers from last season to this year and how they might have helped this year and what they are up to at their other schools. I thought that was interesting. Marcus wrote about that the other day, and he and I talked about that in greater detail. Who would have helped? Who, uh, you know, how things might have been different this season if, uh, if even a few of those key players had stayed. Got to get to the Timberwolves. They keep winning. They blew out um, Portland. Undermanned Portland team, a perhaps tanking Portland team on Monday, 124-81, I believe was the final score. That is not uh, that's not pretty. Um, not to, not a good look for uh, for for the Blazers, but certainly a good one for the Timberwolves. Got to get to Major League Baseball. Sounds like if things don't go better in negotiations today, another week of games will be lost. That includes the Twins' home opener in their week, their first week of home games, and an Aaron Rodgers update. Because what show would be complete? without an Aaron Rodgers update. But first, what did I miss? The big story, or should I say stories, of Monday, both had to do with sports gambling. Sports wagering here in Minnesota sounds like it's getting much closer to being legalized. I wrote about this a few months ago in great detail, just kind of what the hurdles were, what the prospects were. And at that time, did not seem like there was uh, support uh, for for the expansion of gambling, the expansion of sports wagering from the Minnesota Indian Gaming Association. They were essentially a no comment at the time. Bills introduced Monday, though, there would, there would be not just for um, betting in, in casinos and travel casinos, but also online, which is interesting to me. I didn't think that would be a part of this. I mean, I think a lot of people were pushing for that to be a part of this, but the bills do include that. And it sounds like the uh, the Indian Gaming Commission uh, said Monday. I'm reading from uh, from the Star Tribune story that 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 the the tribal nations do support the legislation that includes online gaming. And that's a big deal because that is where the big money is at. So we will see where that goes from here. But it sounds like you know. From what I reported a few months ago, a lot of the other key stakeholders were interested in this. The teams are certainly interested in this because, you know, they want, you know, especially the online component, people are placing a small wager on games. You know, say they make a small bet on a Timberwolves game, a small bet on a Twins game. They are more likely to watch that game. They are more likely to stick with that game. They might even make some in-game wagers, you know, sort of different score lines, different things that might happen over a quarter of a game or a period of a hockey game. Someone might score a goal, things like that. All sorts of kind of smaller prop bets that you can make on games these days that uh, that people would be interested in. That helps TV ratings. That helps create a more dedicated fan base. So the teams are interested in it. The TV folks are definitely interested in it. Um, and now it sounds like legislators are getting more interested in it and have the have some bipartisan support. And, you know, frankly, it's been happening other places. It's happening, you know, in offshore markets. It's happening in Wisconsin. It's happening in Iowa. The, the product here does sound like it might be a little bit robust. So that part of it is interesting to me that if, if there's this online component to it, that that could be a game changer. So we will see where it goes from here. But it's, it's feeling like the momentum to pass this sometime this year 
which I don't know how soon that would take effect. Might not be until 2023, I would imagine, until we actually see um, the games begin, so to speak. But uh, an interesting move, some interesting movement in this um, along those lines. Related to that, Calvin Ridley, Falcons wide receiver, suspended for the entire 2022 season for betting on NFL games, including Falcons games. And if you can't make the connection between these two things, uh, you're not really good at connecting the dots. This is just part of the proliferation of gambling, sports gambling in this country. And I think the thing that I would say is the most interesting thing about the Calvin Ridley situation is I don't think a lot of people think it's a big deal that he bet on the Falcons to win these games. He bet on his own team to win these games. I think a generation ago, and Pete Rose is doing it uh, in in baseball, and you know got you know banned from the banned from the game for for his his whole lifetime. I think people thought it was a huge deal. Right now, I think attitudes have changed for a lot of people so much so that they don't think that this Calvin Ridley uh, punishment or that he you know wagering one thousand five hundred dollars on games, including Falcons games, is is a punishment that fits the crime. So huge story with that, though, just that he's getting suspended for that amount of time. It's, it's a, a full season. Um, even he, even he, he took to a social media to one of his tweets was like, LOL, I only bet $1,500. Uh, I don't have a gambling problem, stuff like that. So it's just his, his attitude about it is interesting as well. Um, you know, I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year. LOL was one of his, uh, was one of his tweets. So overall thing I would say about this is just it feels like this is all part of the shifting attitude on sports betting. I don't know if this is good. I don't know if this is bad. I just know it's a thing. It feels like it's happened slowly and then fast over the last three years or so since you know since it became possible for different states to legalize sports gambling, to, to legalize making bets on games. That piece of it feels very different to me than than how I grew up when when I was growing up, and I sound like an old man. I'm 45, which is you know take your pick if that's old. But it feels like the attitudes have certainly changed on this, and this is the, this is the world we're entering right now, and it's coming to Minnesota. It sure sounds like. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24/7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Glad to be joined right now by Marcus Fuller, Gophers men's basketball beat writer, covers college basketball in general for the Star Tribune. Marcus, how are you? Oh, I'm not bad. I'm not bad at all. Um, did I think I'd be covering a last place team in the Big Ten at the end of the season? No, but I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Marcus, I thought you would be. I, even the, even after they started really well, I you know the, I think the talent deficit showed up. It, it would, and that gets to the heart of um, what I wanted to talk to you about today, primarily because I thought you wrote something really interesting. I think it was just uh, that went online Monday um, about you know just all the players that were on last year's team and where they went, how they're doing this year. And I actually had thought about looking that up a couple of weeks ago and I got as far as Gabe Kalsher and then I stopped and I'm glad you went the whole, went the whole gamut because it does show kind of what they were missing. And I think I tweeted this like a, um, a week ago or something with like, if this team with, you know, with how good Peyton Willis and Jameson battle were, if they just had one or two other guys. I feel like they could have been a factor this season and maybe not 
maybe not even a tournament team, but maybe closer to the bubble, at least not four and 16 as, as they wound up in the big 10. But you, you wrote about all the guys that left that transferred out for whatever reason or another. Um, and I wanted to ask you about that because it, it, when you look at all the names and where they went, it is quite stark, isn't it? Yeah. If you look, thanks for uh, reading that. Yeah. I think if you look at just the starting five alone uh, this year, you can see where the deficiencies are, you know, and, you know, I, I enjoyed watching this team at the beginning of the year. They surprised people. Um, they definitely can shoot the ball. Uh, they surprised me actually well, how well they played defense early without, um, you know, a formidable inside presence. But I think as the big 10 went along, you could see that the lack of size and the depth at, you know, in, in the front court was the biggest issue. Um, so when you see, you know, those guys missing, Brandon Johnson would have helped them in the paint. Liam Robbins would have helped them tremendously. And a lot of people say, Hey, he wasn't healthy, but you know what? He finished the season. He did play the last nine games for Vanderbilt. And one of those games, they gave Auburn, um, you know, quite a bit of a game there and this number one team in the country at the time. Um, he's playing pretty well right now and pretty close to what he was playing at the end of the year, uh, before he got hurt in Minnesota. So if you're talking about like, you know, an all league, especially defensive big man, you, you talk about a, another sh- hot shooting forward. You're not going to replace Jamison battle. He's your best player, but you add some depth there. And also a kid at Pacific, Sam Freeman, who's 6'10", 250 pounds. He had 12 points and five rebounds versus Gonzaga, three blocks. Okay. That's the front line of Chet Holmgren and, and Drew Timmy, the best in the country. So, you know, if, could he come in and give you, you know, four points, five rebounds, a block or two off the bench? Sure. So that alone, just the front court depth alone is what they were definitely missing. You know, Eric Crayer did the best he could, and then he got hurt at the end of the year, suffered some, some illnesses and just couldn't give him what he normally could health-wise. If you look at the way this team played at the end of the year uh, last year, you know, Marcus Carr was – carrying this team just like Jamison Battle is this year. Um, apologize if you hear my dogs barking in the background. But if you look at the way that Jamison Battle has had to score the ball, it's too much. You know, I think it was too much on his shoulders. And Peyton Willis, yes, he, he takes some of that pressure off of Jamison. But if uh, – come on now. Think about the, the trio of Marcus Carr, Jamison Battle, Peyton Willis. Now, now, Carr and Willis did play together two years ago. And, you know, that wasn't the best experience for, for Peyton because he didn't have the ball in his hands like he does this year. So I think there was probably a mix between the two. You know, I think if you look at Marcus Carr this year, he's less of a big-time scorer and he's more of a facilitator. He's actually improved defensively. So I think if he were able to change his game a little bit to mesh with Peyton Willis, uh, that's a dynamic backcourt that they had and that, that could be this year if they would have kept Marcus Carr. And Gabe Kalsher is in that mix as well. And to Jamal Mashburn, who followed Richard Patino to New Mexico, he averaged like 19 points a game, albeit you know in a, a conference not as good as the Big Ten and for a team that didn't play particularly well either. And you, you, you're kind of interesting, you know, kind of looking at how these teams fare. It looks like Kalsher will be in the NCAA tournament um, with, with Iowa State. Hasn't shot the ball really well this year. That that one year he had, was it his freshman year where he shot like 40% from three? That has maybe become the outlier in his career, but still very much a good defensive player, a solid 
starter could have could have certainly helped out, out of all of these guys who do you think would have helped this team the most i mean is it if healthy is it a liam robbins i mean they just were so perilously thin in the front court this year yeah i think that goes without saying um if you add a seven footer that led the, the big 10 in blocks last year that at, at times uh, really gave them everything that they needed as far as a scoring presence i mean people forget that liam robbins okay had 27 points, I want to say, 14 or 15 rebounds and five blocks against Ohio State. You know, I looked those numbers up. He also hit a three in that game. I don't think, you know, there hadn't been a player to do that in like 20 years, you know, in the Big Ten. So, you know, he was the reason why they, they were able to beat Ohio State, Michigan State, you know, Iowa at home. He gave them an inside presence to go along with Marcus Carr on the perimeter. We know that this was a perimeter-heavy team this year, so they got the pieces they needed on the perimeter. Um, not, not saying that you, hey, let's let's take Marcus Carr, let's take Gabe Kalsher, let's take Jamal Mashburn if we could get him. But I like the guys that they brought in on the perimeter, you know. But they just didn't they didn't add anything in the post, you know. They didn't. Um, Jamison Battle is a, is an unbelievable player. He's the best player on this team. He will be the best player on next year's team. You know, he added some. Uh, post presence to his game a little bit as far as being able to defend a little bit in the post, but he's not a post player. He's a perimeter player. So that's why I don't put him in that mix. Yeah. I'm adding him to the, the, the perimeter talent that they add, they, they brought in. They didn't bring any post talent. And so Liam Robbins would have done wonders for this team. Obviously, you know, you don't want to, if you had an all big 10 point guard coming back, I'm taking it, you know, and then you just say, Marcus, you know, I'm not Richard Pitino, you know, the style that I'm going to play is a little different. You know, we're going to move the ball around, share it. You know, we're going to make you better prepare you for the NBA, be a facilitator as much as you are a scorer. And that's what Chris Beard's doing at, at Texas uh, right now with Marcus Carr. So I would say the obvious question or the obviously obvious answer would be Marcus Carr and Liam Robbins. But again, I mean, Mike, you look at uh, Brandon Johnson, um, and you look at some of the guys, these other guys, you know, like, like a Jamal Mashburn and you're saying, man, you know, I didn't really expect that, you know, Brandon Johnson, you know, he did well this year, but he's at DePaul. He's at another high major school and he's leading them in rebounds. You know, he's a double figure scorer there. And Jamal's putting the, the kind of numbers at New Mexico. You say, Hey, he might've done something here too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just. You know, it's kind of a what if of like, what if they could have put together a, a different kind of roster this year? But, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens when you, you know, when you switch coaches, when things, you know, don't go the way you want them to the year before. And, you know, people might forget, you know, in Patino's last season, you know, things were trending up at a certain point if they hadn't been besieged by, you know, some pretty key injuries in the last, you know, four to six weeks of the season that could have been a tournament team that could have been, you know, could they be were. Richard Patino still here in this job, but ultimately Ben Johnson gets hired. I guess the thinking forward now, I mean, the, the regular season's over four and 16 in the big 10 still got the big 10 tournament to go, but you know, no illusions about a deep run there, probably just based on what we've seen this year. Like what, what has to happen, you know, how can they, remake themselves, you know, into at least a team that could be more competitive next season. I mean, and, and, you know, maybe work the, the portal with a little bit more time to their advantage. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that it's pretty clear that they have a cornerstone, which is great. I mean, in the first year, 
how many coaches can say that I have an all Big Ten player coming back, maybe one of the best players in the league, and they have that with Jamison Battle. So coming into this year, we knew Battle was a good player, good piece, right? We didn't know he was a cornerstone, like I could build my program around him piece. Right. And he's done that. So that's something that, you know, making him better, taking the next step in his game, leadership-wise, defensively, you know, those things that I wrote about last week, uh, to help him take the next step forward that, that I've heard around the league. And I think that's a huge step for them. So making him the best player he can be, maybe even a, an NBA prospect. Then I think, that, you know, one of the things that they were lucky to get this year is Peyton Willis. I mean, he's in, you know, if they were a middle of the pack type of team, he would be borderline off conference point guard. Right. And, you know, you can go in the portal and there are not going to be a lot of all-conference point guards saying, yeah, hey, I want to come to Minnesota, unfortunately. Even ones that front Minnesota, which I don't know of any right now. You know, some like then text Ben Johnson. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so I think that they'll they'll look for the best point guard they can get uh, that's similar to Peyton and that he's a playmaker. He can really score the ball, but really is defense and, and uh, facilitating first. And they need that post presence that can take away pressure from Jamison Battle, who is not a true post player. You know, you don't want Battle in there having to play the five like he's done a lot of games toward the end of the season here because Eric wasn't healthy. And you don't want him to have to, to get 10 rebounds a game. You know, you want a guy to, to really is going to handle a lot of that dirty work in the paint defensively and rebounding and, re- and really score for you a little bit too. I think Pharrell Payne is going to be that in the future. How much they can rely on him as a freshman, I don't know yet. I know Daniel too came in and Daniel's in the NBA now as a freshman, you know, they, they started him early and he did fine in non-conference, but once the big 10 started, you know, he really had uh, a tough time adjusting physically. And uh, that's going to happen to any freshman and even as talented as Daniel was. So if they, they're going to hit the portal as hard as they can to find a post presence that can step in and handle a lot of that next year to take the pressure off of Jamison and Pharrell Payne. And again, the point guard spot, I think that's, that's really important as well. And they should have, you know, hopefully a, a healthy Parker Fox. I saw he was recently cleared <laughs> to resume work and he, you know, hurt his knee, you know, not too long, you know, it was spring, summer last year. So, you know, prognosis good, definitely for, you know, being ready to go for next season. What, what do you imagine he you know, he's kind of a little bit of an unknown. I know he was one of the the more sought after players, you know, to a certain degree in the portal, especially coming from division two, like he was, um, what, what do we, how does he, how does he fit into the overall mix? He, I know he's, he's a, he's taller, but is he, is he a forward? What kind of, what position would he play and how, how would he fit into this team? No, he, he, we talked to Ben a little about this last week that, you know, Oh, is he going to play at the end of the year? You know, he's healthy. He was in the uh, layup line versus Wisconsin. I'm sorry, for, uh, versus Indiana, and he was doing 360s and windmills, and I'm like, well, because usually, you know, you come off a knee injury, you, you want to take it easy, you know, the guy's going to need a whole year before he gets his legs back. <laughs> he didn't take very long for Parker Fox to get his legs back. Although, what he was doing before that, the knee injury, was probably even more impressive than he yes. was doing now. Instead of just doing 360s, he was taking off from the free throw line. But um, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of great athletes that they've had over the years, Rodney Williams, um, Travis Omersa, um, you know, I, I think that he's that type of athlete, but I think he's more skilled in that he can step out and shoot, put the ball on the floor. You know, Division Two is entirely, obviously, different different level, talent level than the Big Ten. 
but he's a guy that I think can play the three and the four just like Jamison can. And then those guys can, can interchange, you know, like this game, you know, perimeter Jamison will be there, you know, Parker will play. So I think those two guys at the forward position, as well as Isaiah Enan, you're going to have your, your three, four, that's going to be rock solid. You don't have to worry about that. But, you know, all of those guys are just not true inside force type of guys in the big 10, you know, they're not going to get you 10 rebounds too many times in a game. They're not going to, you know, have a bunch of blocks. Although <laughs> Parker did block a lot of shots at the division two level. It's going to be a little harder when the guys are six ten, six eleven, seven feet, you know? And so I, I just think that um, Parker will be a possible starter, you know, it depends on, you know, how he comes back next year and fits in with uh, whoever they add in the transfer portal. But I would see him, you know, and him and Jamison are a good, you know, three, four option. You know, they need a point guard, they need a center. And um, so I'm excited to see what they can do in the portal. Maybe last thing um, for you, Marcus, enjoying this conversation. Thanks for joining the show today. Um, You know, go for season probably will be over here and not too long. But what are you looking forward to the rest of March? I mean, we got a whole tournament season we got the women's final four coming to minneapolis in a few weeks i mean there's a lot of stuff to look forward to what uh what what's on your radar in terms of stuff to cover or teams you're watching well as you know you know we did an incredible job with the men's final four as a staff the star tribune um i'm so appreciative of being a part of this group so talented and you know we're going to put together hopefully a, a really good package for the women's final four i can't wait you know I, we've already had meetings and I'm excited to see what's coming next. Um, you know, there, there are going to be a lot of changes on the women's side to match up with the men and, uh, you know, deservedly so. And I'm glad that it can be here in Minneapolis for the first time. You know, are we going to get Paige Beckers here for a championship game? You know, that would be like the dream of all dream. And we, we, we've, we've had that before. We had that dream and it didn't happen with Trey Jones and, and, and Zion Williamson. So, you got to temper your expectations a little bit. You know, she's coming off an injury. She's playing again. So that's, that's the outstanding part is that she has a chance, right? She'll be in the tournament. She'll be playing for UConn. And, and when Paige Beckers is playing for UConn, I think they have a shot wherever they're seated. I think that's the biggest thing we're looking at is like, where are they going to see UConn? You know, are they going to disrespect them for not having Paige and losing some games? Or are they going to, you know, put them where they should be at a higher seed because they have the best player arguably in the country after maybe Kate and Clark and, you know, a couple others. Um, so UConn definitely with Paige Beckers where all eyes are on her. And then, you know, the men's final four, Chet Holmgren has a chance to play for a national championship. You know, if Gonzaga keeps going forward like they did last year with Jalen and uh, you know, this is a really good year parody, man. I, I think that there's going to be a couple teams here. We're looking and, you know, coming up to the final four saying, Hey, I didn't think this team was going to be in the mix. You know, who is that? I don't know, but we've seen so many upsets this year. You know, there's been a number of teams that have jumbled around at number one early in the year, Purdue, you know, Baylor. And, you know, so I, I just, I mean, Illinois want to share the big 10. So did Wisconsin. So I think this is really a year where it's tossed up in the men's side. And then, like I said, the women got a lot of talented teams, but we're all hoping Paige ends up here in Minneapolis and, in the final four that would be very cool indeed that would be something for everybody to look forward to so hopefully that does happen marcus great stuff as always follow marcus's work star tribune and startribune.com and uh, we'll check it with you again uh, maybe as we get close to the tournaments all right all right thanks a lot have me
Good catching up with Marcus as usual. I thought it was interesting to hear him talk a little bit more about Jameson Battle as a cornerstone player. I think he is, um, but I also think it'll be interesting to see as the Gophers add more talent um, around him, does he flourish more? Does he have to settle into a slightly different role? How does how does he become kind of a, a pivot person for a team that can be much better? And that's that's kind of the that's going to be the key to next season for Ben Johnson. Can how much can you build around Jamison Battle? What kind of pieces do you need to add? What kind of team can this be next season if you think you've found kind of that player to build around? Let's move on to the Timberwolves for a little while. Beat Portland, like I said, by 43 points. Um, a lot of different people saw action in that game. You know, it was no D'Angelo Russell, no Anthony Edwards. Didn't matter. Um, Wolves still had plenty of firepower to beat a Portland team that's just been completely depleted. Rested some guys that are pretty good. They might not have a lot of incentive to win right now. Hard to say. Maybe trying to lose. I don't know. Maybe that's too strong a word. But uh, we're getting to that part of the NBA season where teams are disincentivized to win. Other teams are are trying to win. You know, the Wolves, everybody above them keeps winning. Um, interesting about that, by the way. Um, I talked maybe a couple weeks ago about how Wolves need to get up into that number six seed to make sure they can try to play Memphis, which was kind of looking like they were going to be that three seed at that point. Memphis has jumped into the number two spot, and still the Wolves want to get into that top six, avoid the play-in. Um, if you get into the play-in, you can always get bounced without even getting to the actual playoffs, even if you're the seven or eight and get two cracks at it. Uh, but if they did wind up in that seven spot and man- managed to get through to be the number seven seed, Uh, It could end up being Memphis as that two seed because they have moved past Golden State by half a game. Golden State missing a lot of guys lately, losing a lot of games lately. And uh, so that piece of it is interesting to me too. Is is Golden State vulnerable, especially if they don't have a full complement of players? I still think you'd rather play Memphis, uh, but either one of those teams, I suppose, might, uh, might be an opportunity for the Wolves in the first round of the playoffs. Again, if they can get there, which is still a big if, can't believe we're talking about wolves and playoffs after all these years of you know them being just truly awful just being on the other end of games like the one you watched perhaps on monday a couple more things before we get out of here aaron Rodgers, he's got to make a decision soon you guys a franchise tag deadline is today so that affects Devonte adams um the new league year starts next week starts in eight days uh the legal tampering period if you want to call it for that is less than a week away starts next monday for free agency like a lot of reporting interesting um you know espn reporting on monday saying that uh, the packers had made him a, a you know a, a, an offer that would alter the quarterback market which is obviously something that's coming uh leaking out from the packers and then pro football talk reporting that you know rogers is mulling different teams he might go to that it looks like it's the broncos the Steelers, the Titans, that all three of those teams have kind of put together their best offer, and now Aaron Rodgers is thinking about where he might want to play. No surprise, those are all AFC teams. I don't think the, I don't think Green Bay ultimately would trade him within the conference and have that come back to bite them in the playoffs. You know, maybe the Super Bowl, but not the uh, not the playoffs. Although we will see how uh, how well Green Bay fares if and indeed they do trade Aaron Rodgers, but. Bottom line is, decisions got to be coming soon. He said, you know, over 
three and a half weeks ago or so that he would make a decision in a couple weeks still hasn't come. Longer it goes, the more you wonder if a trade is the thing that's going to happen because the thing that could happen more quickly is him just saying, nope, I want to be here. So hopefully we'll have a resolution to this all very soon. Let's finish with the cooler. Speaking of a resolution to all of this very soon, Major League Baseball sounds like it would cancel another week of games if they do not come to a labor agreement uh, by today. That would be significant for the Twins because that would wipe out a week of home games. They're slated to open the home portion of their schedule on April 7th. That would no longer happen if these games are wiped out. So series against Seattle, series against the L.A. Dodgers would both be wiped out, and that is not good news. So I'm not optimistic that something's going to happen today. I think they're going to lose those April, those those first six home games at Target Field, and that would be a shame for sure. That will do it for today. Like I said, we had a lot to get to, so many things going on. Chris Hine should be on Wednesday show to talk more Timberwolves. Red hot out of the break. They get Oklahoma City on Wednesday night. So Chris and I will break down all things Wolves on Wednesday's show. Thank you so much for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you again tomorrow.